This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hello, everyone. My name is Joris Peels, and this is another episode of the 3D Pod. And with me, as always, is Maxwell Vogue. Hey, Joris. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm good. Who do we have on the 3D Pod today? Well, today we've got Chris Binion. And Chris is the uh, well, the head of Flam 3D. And Flam 3D um, well, started essentially as a promotional kind of organization, initially for just a part of Belgium. And then later on for 3D printing. And then later on he expanded into whole Belgium. And then later on he expanded taking the Netherlands with him as well. And so now Flam 3D is like uh, uh, a company that like gathers around companies and research institutes and governments uh, uh, and represents over 100 uh, customers or companies and, and uh, research institutes across Belgium and the Netherlands. And is trying to promote 3D printing uh you know globally uh, and 3d printing these companies in particular so and i think they're doing a great job we, we had uh the Donsk 3d hub uh, guy frank rosegren here as well we think they're doing a great job as well and fun 3d is the other i think great example of, of an organization promoting uh 3d printing as a non-profit promoting 3d printing so it's really great uh, to have uh chris uh, here today thanks thanks a lot for uh for having me and thanks for the introduction by the way uh, great, great so first off how did you get started with, with 3d printing how did you end up in this uh in this uh industry I just applied for a vacancy, really. I mean, there was this uh, couple of companies and research institutes in uh, in Flanders, yeah? so the, the one part of Belgium, uh, who thought it was a good idea to set up an organization, uh, well, promoting 3D printing indeed, as you said, and I applied for the job. <laughs> uh, so it was day one, and I, I got interested, not only because it was about 3D printing, but also it was setting something up from scratch, which uh, which I thought was uh, yeah something interesting to apply for. Okay, and what did you do before this? Something completely different, or yeah, quite quite a few things. I think this is like my, my seventh or eighth uh, job or something. I've been working in in disaster management, in uh, basically in development, so so uh, development a bit around the world, let's say. Uh, I was in sales. I was in yeah, a bit of everything really. <laughs> so uh, nothing mm-hmm. nothing to do with three D printing, in fact. Okay, okay. So, so Flame 3D was the first time you encountered 3D printing, essentially. Or were you aware of it beforehand? Indeed. I remember being there with the um, applying for the job and being there with the CTO of uh, Materialize, who was one of the interviewers. You know him, of course, uh, Bart van der Schuren. I was trying to say some sensible things on 3D printing, <laughs> which, of course, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I really couldn't really. But anyway, they, uh, <laughs> apparently it worked anyway, so it was fine. And how did you like? And so, for, first off, it was kind of very limited uh, to Flem, uh, the Flemish part, which is one portion of the country. So, and how did you, and and what did you do initially? Because that was very different, right? In the beginning, you just had to rally a couple of companies around, right? Right, right. We, we well, we started off with with nine members who actually founded uh, the organization, and then our goal number one was, of course, to to, to get a bit of a, an organization, really, with with quite a few members. So that was that was the first goal, basically figuring out like, okay, what what do they want? What do mostly companies actually need from an organization that makes sense to them? That actually, yeah, is interesting for them. And uh, but it was about figuring that out and then offering that to indeed the uh, companies in, in in Flanders. And basically, that hasn't changed. We're we're still doing quite a bit the same thing as we did uh, from from the start. So 
seems like it worked. And then after that, yeah, indeed, we, we expanded. Basically, once uh, Ranishal and the Benelux, they became a member, and then DSM became a member, and they said, like, hmm, actually, why don't you do the same thing in the Netherlands? <laughs> this is quite useful, so let's let's copy-paste. And then that's, that's what we did. We, we started uh, going on, on the Dutch market and gathering companies there as well. So uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's how we ended up... Uh, are there intentions to expand even further or to like go? Not really. You can. No. Well, <laughs> <laughs> if you want to. No, actually, the, um, the, thought, the thought has been there. But uh, what we see in other countries is basically there is already an organization which caters for the 3D printing company. So then we, we would basically become a, a competitor. So rather than that, I think we would just rather cooperate with the VDMA in, in Germany and with the, uh, the Danish hub in, in Denmark, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's yeah stronger than trying to, to compete in that uh, rather small market in the end. And what do you got? And what kind of people are like, who, who's like a member? Is it like, okay, so you mentioned a couple of companies already. What kind of, is it startups, larger companies, everything in between or? Uh, yeah, everything in between. So, and that was a really a choice from the start. I mean, the, the bigger companies they they pay a reasonable contribution, let's say. Um, so, so basically, they uh, they're they're taking a major stake in the organization, but they don't get more rights than the startups, and the startups really pay like almost nothing. Uh, and there was a choice from the beginning because that way you really get a broad network, and you offer chances to to both sides because uh, i think uh, quite a lot of the bigger ones also acknowledge that there are some some new initiatives some new uh, inventions and ideas that could be beneficial for them as well so we do want them to be involved and we do want to uh, get them into the network uh, so yeah it, it's really a bit of everything from all sides of the 3d printing also we got um, gas suppliers and and we got the uh, 3d printer providers but just as well the uh the, the actual print services so it's it's a broad uh broad offer i say yeah and just generally i mean what do you guys do i mean like just the, what's the menu of <laughs> items that you do like uh, what's the, what, what, uh, the gamut let's say basically everything we do has to do let's say with with communication and marketing uh because we we have couple of goals the main one being actually to do this outreach to this potential user so to reach all these companies who might be benefiting from additive manufacturing and of course that's <laughs> there's quite a lot of them uh, so how do you reach those uh, those guys that's being on fairs that's writing for for magazines that's uh, organizing our own events just all you have to to get in touch with them to uh, to be able to speak to those people and then it helps of course that we are a non-profit we're a, we're an organization so uh, we can be really neutral we don't have to sell anything ourselves they can really just contact us for advice and that happens we've seen that over the last couple of years it really happens a lot i mean companies just sending us an email contacting us by phone with very simple questions like, hey, I need to print something in, in this kind of material. Where can I do it? Up to guys who are really lately uh, quite a few, actually, who say like, okay, we're thinking about investing in a powder bed laser system. What are the options and what should we keep in mind? So, yeah, that's that's the end goal. That's really reaching out to these uh, to these potential users and then apart from that of course we also connect the the, the network itself i mean yes we are at form next and yes we we do uh, events for our members and, and stuff like that 
but is that like so is it pr the main reason you get new customer new leads i guess in is it you write an article somewhere and then it brings in people or is it events or what gets people like coming to your customers let's say uh i i think it's really the combination i mean for example when you're at a fair you get these um how to say it more more the guys that stumble upon your booth yeah, and say something, <laughs> something and, and say like oh what's this this is interesting we still yeah. get the question sometimes like uh, wow can you also print in metal <laughs> yeah so, so that that has, still happens and so you need that as a channel but the the magazines work well because basically it's um, yeah it's still read quite a bit i think and then also the, the printed magazines for example so just giving an overview there or or uh, articles like that they work pretty well and then the own events also they're actually very nice when you combine them i mean we work quite often together with other organizations like ours uh, let's say the automotive organization and uh, uh, the metals organization or the metals union or whatever let's say they get in their members and we get our members on stage and immediately you got an event whereby you combine question and uh, well well uh, the, the the offer with the uh, with the demand so well works pretty well and then that's very concrete that leads immediately to some uh, some business really and then also what is like well and you do events also internal events like so what's that all about is it like about educating people or what's that about if you do it for your own members Right, but that's um, that's well, rather limited, <laughs> mainly because okay. we lack time. Let's say it's twice a year, and then mm. usually we have three focuses. Uh, first of all, and and uh, quite important as well, having a beer together and eating together, and that's that's mm. always very nice. It's really connecting. Secondly, we try to foresee a few speakers, and we, for example, we had the guys from AM Power over to uh, well to give a bit of an analysis, of course, of the uh, of the market. Um, or it can be, for example, on quality, yeah, something that is common for, for everybody. And thirdly, well, there's always a bit of either matchmaking or networking so that the guys really get to know each other. It's, it's, for me, it's surprising, actually, everybody in 3D printing keeps on saying, like, yeah, it's a small world and we know everybody and things like that. But then actually, when, when it comes to uh, certainly the startups, but also some other names, you, you see that some... Uh, well, new connections really are still possible, and and people don't always know what's uh, what's happening. So, and it's going fast nowadays. So it's it's even more difficult to make those uh, new connections or to to know everybody. And then, so you also work for like research institutes and stuff like that. Now, how do you help them? Because is it the same thing as matching them with companies or? Quite often, it it has to do with with the subsidy systems here in uh, in Europe, whereby if you want to do a research, you kind of almost always have to involve uh, a few or a number of companies uh, that basically support your uh, your your research uh, or, or at least showing that they're interested in in the results of the research uh, so quite often they are looking indeed for that type of contact on, on projects or also we help them with dissemination of their uh, results the research results things like that but just as well a bit of lobbying to where government of course comes in uh, that, that's normal when you uh, well when, when you do gather like a big portion of the uh, of the market at least so yeah that's that's what we mainly do for them indeed and then lobbying that that to me always seems like really dirty and stuff but like how do you do that then because i have no idea how to... <laughs> 
a bag of money. You just take a bag of money and just. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, I can't. Do it, but you don't. You don't want to know what I'm doing. <laughs> no, the um, no, not at all. Not at all. It's um, it it's really about trying to make them see. Sometimes you see governments spending money. Uh, and yeah, that happens, of course. But what we want them to do is not spend money, but invest money in in the potential that basically three D printing has. Not only for the three D printing companies, but for the for the economy as a whole. So if you invest in three D printing, and three D printing is not the only thing you can invest in, but uh, of course we're only <laughs> speaking for that. It it's about basically bringing your whole industry one level further. And it, it's about making sure that actually everybody is on board and that you still have a competitive economy as such. So explaining that time after time, really, uh, sometimes helps to move things. Also, for example, towards the um, uh, education to get finally some, some books out there that everybody is <laughs> getting a bit educated on uh, additive manufacturing. So uh, yeah, that's that's what it, we do, and most of the time, I mean, these guys are willing to listen, whether they're doing something with it or not. Is uh, it's not always working. Uh, are there areas that you've found people are more receptive to um, in this, in terms of selling them on the concept of additive manufacturing, so to speak? It's quite often when things get exotic, eh? like like for example. Uh, uh, th- there was actually an article in, in the newspaper here in, in, in Belgium just last week about uh, a huge 3D printed glasses printed out of concrete. So it was more meant as a as a monument uh, somewhere. And then, of course, the uh, local politicians want, want to be on the picture with it and, and stuff like that. So that sells uh, and it still needs to sell. And it was actually... Um, just a couple of months ago, a conversation I had with uh, Fried van Kram about that. And he pointed out in that direction as well, like, okay, it helps if indeed the end user and even the, the potential consumer is really in a hype about something, is really like looking forward to to something that might help him or that brings things further. So it's good. It's good uh, promotion or to, it's good to have that kind of promotion, but it should also lead not only to uh, enormous uh, 3D printed concrete glasses, but it should also lead to to real changes or improvements of the uh, of the economy of the, the making industry and, and things like that. So it's a balance uh, that you have to keep. You mentioned education. Is that still the biggest problem? Because that's kind of always been our problem, right? That, that not enough people know know the basics and not enough people know what to do and when it works and when it doesn't work. Is that is that the biggest issue really still? Yeah, well, I won't say whether it's on number one or number two biggest issue, but I, I think indeed it's an it's a big uh, thing. Okay, we, we got more and more uh, definitely engineers who, who study or who come out of studying with, with a bit of a background and know a bit of uh, 3D printing and can imagine something about it, but it's still too little, I think. So, yeah, we really have to keep on, on working on, uh, on that one. And then the, uh, yeah, the other... But I'm not sure if that's number two or uh, number one or number two. Investment, investment in additive manufacturing, and then of course there are some regions in the world where there is seems to be more money available. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's always the right type of money. I, I see um, these investments that that require almost immediate return on investment, and that's not always helping us forward. I think I think we really need some ideas to 
be developed further to really be able to come to the market and really add even more value because I think 3D printing is really just only at the start of, of what is possible. And then, and what other things do you think are issues? Are those like the main ones or are there others, other ones that come up? <laughs> Apart from that, well, of course, I mean, yes, there are the, the, the typical ones. There is the, the lack of knowledge. There is the uh, standards. And, and since a couple of years, I'm quite busy with the standards. I find it enormously interesting. And indeed, it's hampering the, uh, the uptake uh, of, of, of the technology. But we're getting there. So, so with all the other issues, I got something like, well, <laughs> we're getting there slowly, but uh, uh, it, it will come one step at a time. And you see all the Lloyds and DNV and Kiwas and others investing in, uh, yeah, basically the, the possibility to get 3D printing in all other uh, uh, sectors and then to be used in all other sectors. So I'm, I'm quite confident in all those things. So yeah, sure, there are problems, but it's just challenges that need <laughs> to be solved in uh, one step at a time. Okay. okay. You mentioned standards. I mean, I, I think they're, they're hugely important as well. But uh, I think, is it, is it, you know, is it, because I always think it's, it's really exciting for a company to play a role in that. Would you advise companies to really play a role in the standard setting? Cause it seems like being a part of making the standard would be hugely advantageous. Yeah? Uh, yes, but uh, at least in ISO, it's um, your your impact wouldn't be that big. Um, so as as a company, you really have to be willing to invest some time in it. Um, whereas the outcome might not be really making a difference. So, but somebody's got to do it because indeed um, it builds trust. And and what three D printing needs is indeed to be trusted by all the other sectors. Um, mm -hmm. So yes, I would <laughs> ask companies to. To indeed invest some time in it because it will lead to to better standards and it will also certainly lead to a quicker evolution in standards i think for the moment there are like about 50 standards which are in development well just just speeding that up or or uh, advancing that a bit would really help us forward it would really make sure that that other industries start using 3d printing so uh yes i would advise them but i understand that they're not always able to to spend too much time on that well if we look at the the belgium and and and, and uh, dutch kind of 3d printing landscape what do you see there are there particular challenges there or do you think we're like way ahead of the world or is, is it like behind or we're What's so ahead of the world we're so yeah? ahead okay, of okay. the world <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't see well at, at the moment yeah there, there is a bit of a challenge in um uh keeping the level playing field with with the countries around us when it comes to to subsidizing uh, as, as you may know there's quite a lot of uh, subsidy mechanisms at the moment in europe when it comes to when you want as a company what you want to buy a printer you could discuss for a very long time whether that's a good idea but it means the uh yeah the level playing field is a bit challenged so we we need to keep uh keep the speed there in netherlands it's a bit going faster than in belgium but we're we're working on it but apart from that now no real specific challenges and then I, I i just lately i saw some figures from the eu whereby they ask uh, throughout the eu there is actually asked to companies whether they use 3d printing whether they uh use it in-house, whether they have 3D printers. There's like four or five questions which all the national statistics bureaus have to ask to their uh, companies. And, and then you see that actually 
quite a number of companies do have a 3D printer or at least outsource some 3D print work and, and things like that. Uh, definitely in, in the region Belgium, Netherlands. So yeah, that it makes it much easier if you already have like a local base of, of customers. So for, for many of our companies, that's a, that's a head start, let's say. And then, of course, you got, I mean, a number of companies that are active on a global scale. So <laughs> probably they, they wouldn't bother so much. But there it's, it's I think, for, for such a relatively small economies, although I, I also <laughs> recently learned that the Belgian and, and Dutch economy together are as big as the Russian. But still, oh. <laughs> sorry, shouldn't I have said that? Uh, I should I should have said that. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's, I mean, yeah, relatively small. And if you see the uh, the number of, of companies that are active here and the number of names we have, like Materialize, like um, Additive Industries, Ultimaker, uh, Ultimaker Bot, I should say, probably. And Hubs, who is also a member by, with us, by the way. So th- there's really a lot going on. And at, at the universities as well, I mean, yes, everybody knows KU Leuven when it comes to uh, metal printing. But at Ghent University and then uh, just as well in, in the Netherlands, uh, there's, there's really a lot going on. So uh, it's it's an easy job for me. It's it's easy to talk about it, easy to say like, yeah, we're doing well. It would be in some regions much more difficult to uh, <laughs> to say that, I'm sure. Lots of things going on also behind the screens. And I think if, if some deals would work with some startups that are now underway that I know that they're dealing with or trying to deal with investors. Yeah, if these come through, uh, there's still some some nice things coming up, I'm sure, uh, probably for the, the next form, form next or something. I think uh, you did mention some interesting stuff. I mean, you, you mentioned a couple of companies like, okay, so May- Ultimaker was the star of the desktop, the biggest company on the desktop. Now it's mm-hmm. half owned by uh, Israeli-American company Stratasys. Hubs yeah. was a, a Dutch company. And then they, uh, you know, they, they ended up moving, they're, they're part of an American company. Shapeway is the yeah. same thing. It got essentially moved to America before becoming an American company. Uh, yeah. You know, I think Materialize is the exception because it decided to go public in, in, in Belgium and it's a Belgian company through and through. And do you really risk that, like, as these markets are, we're, I, th- I do think the Netherlands and, and Belgium are ahead of the curve. We did get a head start together with Germany. Uh, I think mm-hmm. we got there faster in other regions on the mm-hmm. desktop and also faster in, 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 in powder bed fusion for polymers, right? So yeah. I think that, that in that case, we've got a head start. But do you think that that's being eroded by the fact that, you know, the Americans are keep buying up our companies and that doesn't mean that then they're going to end up winning? So it's what we do, George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this, this is becoming political. I have to be careful here. Uh, it's probably something you have a lot to tell uh, about as well, Yodis. Well, first of all, I think there is a difference indeed in that sense between Belgium and the Netherlands. Dutchies are outgoing they will look for this expansion and they will uh, not be bothered so much by by uh, let's say the the borders of their country whereas belgians are much more inward and and quite often we stay too much inward so that that might be a cultural difference in a sense but then on the other hand isn't it more like these these dutch companies who went to the us they just saw an opportunity and took it and then mm-hmm. as a logical next step in the, there was a merger or they were being bought or or things like that and and i'm not sure even if that's can't really consider that a bad thing so uh, mm-hmm. it's just the way things go somewhere although uh, sometimes although it would be nice if just the investors would come the other side of the ocean and have a look here at, and say like okay we'll invest here because it 
it's already existing and it works. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's interesting. Like one of it's one one says it's nationalism and stupid, but I do think in ecosystem development. I remember in one point in Holland we were ahead of the curve, and I just knew a lot more about desktop. Yeah. Because there was a lot more people that knew a lot more about desktop, and we were just learning much faster than the broader world. And then now that you know that ecosystem kind of gets kind of like colonized a bit, you know. So I, I just like I'm just curious about it. I don't think in the the you know it's not like I find it's this horrible or something. I'm just like wondering if there's going to be 3D printing clusters, right, and where they're going to be, or if they're only going to be in places where the capital is, you know. Yeah, some some get out of the the region, and indeed. Then get lost, so to say, for the uh, for the local economy. Uh, but on the other hand, I, I do think, I mean, like like here locally, yeah, we had to move from uh, DSM to Covestro, and now again uh, moving on, let's say. Uh, but still, the production is around here, and then we got quite a, a few filament producers, and we got uh, quite a few printer producers as well. There there are really value chains available here, and then you do see that they start cooperating. So I don't think it's like, okay, we lost one, so now it's finished. No, no, there's really, there is an ecosystem, and people are working together and finding each other in, in this cooperation. That really kind of works. As as a smaller example, for example, you got their um, seed yeah, with the uh, large large scale uh, polymer printers, but and they're not the only ones. Of course, you got Colossus three uh, D printers. Now there's a new one, uh, BT printers, also a huge format. Let's say polymers. That's just on a few square meters. So you got a, a full five uh, who actually make the printer. Then of course you got some people providing it, and you got some people printing with it, and and there's really an an ecosystem building and more and more applications are being found. So, yeah, that's then in one segment, it is this, uh, let's say, raising of this uh, granulate printing. But also in the other segments, we really see uh, small ecosystems growing. So that's, uh, yeah, I could say the same thing about WAM, for example, which is pretty big here in the in the region. I like that. And so why aren't you, because I got the... You know, Max already asked, like, why are you going to stop there? And you said politely no. But I think there is like there is an opportunity to be like there is a there isn't a European wide organization like yeah. you know, there's the there's Sesimo I think they do some stuff, but they're from mm-hmm. like the machining industry kind of, um, you know. But there isn't really a, a European wide 3D printing organization, right? Well, we've been talking to to Sismi, uh, Sismo about it, uh, whose major stake is indeed the uh, the machine uh, construction companies. Uh, such and i did talk to a few colleagues let's say of other organizations in europe like hey shouldn't we uh, collaborate a bit more there is the vanguard initiative which from a certain point of view is is also gathering quite a few uh, organizations but yeah i i do believe that we need a uh, lobby and connecting a bit the same what we do but but of course not copy pasting what the local organizations would do but uh, mm-hmm. on a european level for a similar organization that that unites these uh, uh, local organizations would be very beneficial i think we don't have a voice on the european tables and basically that's where where the big money is eh? so that mm-hmm. we, we should involve in in that direction but uh some point somebody will have to put some money on the table to make that happen i think <laughs> yeah i agree i agree and I, but I do, I do agree i think especially if we're looking at now like uh, first off the energy independence we have a smaller role to play there than other things but think mm-hmm. about better heat exchangers better uh, turbines uh you know better uh, materials like there's a lot of things we could do there also better mm-hmm. air conditioning cooling whatever um 
And then there's also kind of like the supply chain resilience thing. I think we have a huge role to play there, and it could be that money could be easily misspent if we uh, uh, or spent on really fanciful, stupid stuff. Uh, Indeed, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it's it's it's. I think what what they use as a name there is uh, strategic autonomy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nowadays, uh, which is indeed a bit of a hot topic, and and there, and really in that discussion, we we do like a, a European organization because we should have really spoken more with one voice towards the politicians, uh, like, hey, look, we're we're part of the solution here. So, uh, and we also <laughs> claimed that, and we also uh, made some promotion on that, so to say, but we should have done that as one voice or should have been able to do that as one voice. Yeah. And what plans do you have for the future, uh, Chris? Um, apart from the beer tonight? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's um, First of all, we have to, to keep on doing what we're doing. I mean, I, I think there is still added value there, and we're, we're very much listening to our members to when when you we have to shift a bit in the direction. Or but basically, this is also what what they want and what they need from us. So we have to keep on on doing that. Um, but I I would call that it, it's it's um, short term and medium term uh, return on investment for them. Yeah, it's uh, generating business for them. It's maybe providing them with some discount and some benefit here or some access there or a podium here or there. Um, so that, that's very good. But we should shift a bit more, I admit myself, to the long term. So really working more on, uh, on, on education, on bringing in this uh, finances that, that could benefit for them. But these are all tracks that take a couple of years before you see the effect. And, and that basically what I want to <laughs> then tell my members is uh, to say like, hey, guys, just trust me. Just have some patience. Uh, you will be seeing me less, but I'm, I'm working on, on this and that. So, yeah, we should really have a... Uh, focus on the, on the long term uh, a bit more because now we we are sometimes a bit too stuck in in the day to day operations. So that's that's my vision, and that includes indeed like if I could build more towards a European organization or or help that supporting setting that up or things like that. That that would really uh, help. So I hope we get the opportunity uh, to to work on that. Same with the sustainability. I would like to work more on sustainability. Also, of course, from an economic perspective, it's a good thing, but also because it needs to be done. Um, and, and yeah, that's that's long term and, and we need to work more. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Chris. And, and good luck. And uh, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, thank you. It was uh, <laughs> it's, it's rare that I can talk about the own organization. So uh, it was a nice opportunity. And uh, well, I'll be looking forward to hearing and uh, meeting again uh, in a couple of months i suppose yeah we all will be yeah well <laughs> forum next definitely going to be a forum sure next, so sure definitely there um okay so uh and max thank you for being here today always thank you joris and thank you guys for listening this is another episode of the 3d pod have a great day You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint.com.